Praise God. We are delighted today to have uh, Sister Denise Johnson, who is a principal of Anderson Elementary uh, up in the uh, Rockledge and North Vieira area. Uh, Sister Denise Johnson has been an educator all of her life and uh, taught in public schools and received two master's degree and uh, she's been a principal for a number of years now and very well respected in her field of work and uh, great job that she does. I was her very first student before we even came to Palm Bay in 1971. We lived in a little town in the Panhandle of Florida called Port St. Joe. I was maybe four or five years old and my sister put me in school very early on and uh, I remember she was uh, very good at motivating. She would always give me a nice gift if I got good grades. She bought me one time a little tiny camera. I remember it was a little tiny camera with a little leather pouch because I got straight A's in her school. And then later on, I got a little recorder, one of those little things that you blow. And uh, I got one of those for doing well, I think, in my second semester, four years old. And then I think that gift was, was, uh, was taken back because the household was uh, begging for some relief. But uh, Sister Denise Johnson is a mother of two wonderful daughters, and she is a grandmother. But most of all, I've known her all of my life and most of her life. She's always been a wonderful Christian, an outstanding example, and a gifted teacher. And we welcome her to the pulpit at First Pentecostal Church. Would you welcome Sister Denise Johnson? Love you too. I'll get you my Happy Mother's Day. I want to say Happy Mother's Day to the most awesome mother on the planet, my mom, Dr. Myers. It's quite an honor to speak to you today, and I thank my brother, Pastor Myers, and my father, Bishop Myers, for being my spiritual leaders. And I also want to say I'm thankful to have both of my daughters here and um, my son-in-law, who is our miracle man. And his wonderful mother, Lisa Veely, who's a real prayer warrior. And the lovely Jamie Kate, my granddaughter. She understands sign language. So I'd like to read in your hearing from Psalms 113.9. I'm waiting for them to post it. It's a short verse. Psalms 113 is a very short chapter, and this is the last verse. He maketh the barren woman to keep house and to be a joyful mother of children. And I'd like to talk to you today about being a joyful mother. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for this opportunity, for your many blessings, for all of the mothers that are here today, God. Put your blessings upon them. Lord, speak into each of their lives. And I pray, Lord, that you will make all of us joyful mothers. In Jesus' name, we give you thanks. Amen. You may be seated. 
It was a warm April day when I stepped out of the doctor's office. My heart was heavy, and my eyes were beginning to fill with tears. When I noticed across the sunlit road, there was a crippled mother pushing a stroller. And although her gait was halted, there was a bright smile on her face. I got into my car, and I said, God, I would rather be crippled and have children to live than to live a life without children. And then I questioned God, why me? I have spent so many years studying child development and how to teach children, and I've spent the last three years of my life with a classroom of children every day for six and a half hours a day, and now the doctor has told me that I will not have children of my own. Why? As I drove away, I started rehearsing in my head what I was going to tell my fiance. With the wedding, <coughs> excuse me, only two months away, I did not know what he would say. Was he going to say something like, well, let me think about this. I've always wanted to have children. I don't know if we should get married. After all, we had talked about wanting to start a family two years after we married. What if he doesn't want to marry me at all? I pondered. But John Johnson did not have the same reaction to the news that I did. <laughs> My wonderful husband of 32 years. Oh, he said, don't worry, we'll have children. I was a little put back by his kind of indifference. But what if we don't? I insisted. Well, then we won't have children. Or we'll adopt. But I'm not sure about all that, he rather added nonchalantly. Then the big question came with hesitation. Are you sure you still want to marry me? I'll never forget his words. Of course, I'm not marrying you to have children. I'm marrying you because I love you. <laughs> Although I was relieved and continued my wedding plans, as well as the move to Indianapolis, I was still hurting inside. When I settled in our new home, I made an appointment with a doctor in Indianapolis. And I was really hoping to get a, a different opinion. I decided I was not going to tell the Indianapolis doctor what the Melbourne doctor had said. <laughs> but it didn't make any difference. The Indianapolis doctor confirmed my condition. So John and I began our life together in Indianapolis, and I was decorating our downtown second floor apartment. And I saw a small cat who seemed homeless. So I took her in, and I named her Dimples, because she had dimples. One night, Dimples slipped out of a window on the back porch. And remember, we were on the second floor. When I discovered what, was happened, what had happened, I was alarmed. And I ran downstairs. 
expecting to find an injured cat. But when I opened the door at the foot of the stairs, there was Dimples with her tail straight up, meowing and purring and wanting to come in. After a month, it was obvious. Dimples was pregnant. <laughs> As I sat on the floor and helped Dimples deliver five beautiful kittens, I said to my husband, this isn't right. <laughs> One night, five kittens. Yes, I was still hurting, and I was even bothered when my cat gave birth to her kittens. But I continued as a school teacher, and I attended all of the baby showers of my peers. But it wasn't easy, and I continued to pray that God would give us children. One weekend, our pastor announced that the men were going on a retreat, and the, woman, the women would stay at the church and be blessed by the ministry of Vesta Mangan. I was excited that evening when Vesta Mangan announced that she wanted those needing a healing touch from God to move into the aisles and form a healing line that just kept moving. And she stayed at the front and prayed for everyone in the healing line. When Vesta Mangan put her hand on my head to pray, and those of you that know her know she is quite a prayer warrior, I felt an intense burning in my abdomen, and I began to worship. It was at that moment I knew God had healed me. <laughs> Glory to God. And two months later, I was pregnant. In fact, it was two years and two weeks from our wedding day. John and I had our first baby girl. We could not have planned it any better. Today, I give glory to God for my two beautiful children, Michelle and Rachel, because they are both total gifts from God. But when I look at that verse in Psalms, if you could put it back up again, please, 113.9, I realize that this is a testament of what God can do. But I'm really struck by that phrase that says, and to be a joyful mother of children. You know, the journey of motherhood is not easy. There are sleepless nights, and there are difficult times that will stretch you beyond belief. And all the mothers should say amen. amen. Yet, did you know God can give you the joy for the journey? In fact, there's a lot of joy in the journey. The Bible has some things to say about a home. And I'd like for us to look at those in Proverbs 24, verses 3 and 4. Through wisdom is an house builded, and by understanding it is established, and by knowledge shall the chambers, or the rooms, be filled with all precious and pleasant riches. So there's three things that pop out there. The first one is wisdom. It's wise. 
to make a home for your children. Your home should be a safe place where you gather to converse, to live, to share, to pray together, and to connect with each other. The second one is understanding. Understanding establishes a home, whether children or toddlers or teenagers. It doesn't matter. Mothers must continually seek to understand first so that they can serve the needs of their children. That's not an easy job. And the third one that pops out is knowledge. Knowledge is the ability and the willingness to learn, to perceive and acquire new skills through experiences, growth, and discovery. The Bible says that knowledge will fill the rooms of your home with precious and pleasant riches. Your home should be a rich place for your children. So as joyful mothers, not only do we need wisdom to build a home and understanding to establish a home and knowledge to fill our rooms with pleasant and precious riches, we must fill our days with faith. Faith is powerful. For moms to fortify their family with faith, they must be able to believe first. You know how it is when you fly the friendly skies. There are all of these safety measures that you have to go through when you get on the airplane. And one of them is how to use an oxygen mask. And as you know, if you have ever flown, the adults must first put on the oxygen mask and then serve their children. So moms, are you getting enough oxygen in your life to help others breathe? That's how faith works. Children can see faith at work in the lives of their parents. We have to exercise it for it to be evident. And for us to breathe, we must have the breath of God upon us. Paul made an interesting statement to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1.5. If you could put that on the screen, please. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. Now, for those of you that have studied the life of Paul, he was a persuader, but he wasn't easily persuaded. This is something he was persuaded of. He was persuaded that Timothy had unfeigned faith because his grandmother, Lois, had faith and his mother, Eunice, had unfeigned faith. What is unfeigned faith? Well, the word unfeigned means not fake, authentic. Your children know when you're authentic. They know when you're for real. They know when your faith in God is unwavering and first and foremost. 
As a child, I remember unfeigned faith in my home. These three people right here are very faithful people, and God has always been first. I remember my mother, Dr. Myers, always had strong faith and a relationship with God. I knew that she loved God, and I knew she loved the things of God. And that spilled into all of our family decisions. When our family came to Brevard County in 1971, and my father assumed the pastoral position of this church, it was a big move for us. And I was beginning middle school. Not a fun time in life. Everything was new. New church, new school, new friends, new neighborhood. And so we rented a home, and I had to ride a school bus, and I was miserable. You know those teen, the beginning of those teen years when everything is wrong in life. And I, I said to, to my mom, uh, I want to get a house that's close to the school where I'm attending because I do not want to ride this school bus anymore. We only had one car at the time, and so I didn't have a choice. So we prayed about finding a house, and my mother looked in, in the neighborhood of Central Middle School, where it was located at that time, and we found a house. So then she looked in the neighborhood of the high school, where I would be attending a few years later, and we found some houses there. But as a family, we really had our hearts set on that house that was in, within walking distance from Central Middle School. So my mom said, we just have to pray about it. We have to have faith that God will give us the right house, Denise. So we did. We prayed. And would you believe, I've never heard of this before or since, they decided everyone that was interested in the house, their name would go into a hat. And they were going to draw the seller was going to draw the name of the buyer. Didn't matter what, what uh, the price of the home was. Everyone who wanted it had an equal chance. So my father, I remember telling us that um, our, our name was drawn. But it wasn't the first name drawn. It was the second. Well, that didn't matter to me. I mean, okay, the first name was, you know, if you're second, you're still a loser. That's how we thought about it. And so my mom, with her unfeigned faith, said, well, we're still going to believe God. Okay, well, guess what happened? The first name drawn, the people backed out and decided to buy another home. And we got the house. <laughs> and we lived there for six years and made many memories as a family. Paul knew of the strong faith that Timothy would have because of his mother. I mean, his mother and his grandmother. And I can tell you that my faith has been strengthened because of the faith of my mother. I believe there are three things that make us joyful mothers. Number one, I've talked about create a home that's strong with wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. Number two, possess that unfeigned faith. And finally, number three, celebrate 
success. In Proverbs 31, there are 21 verses that talk about a virtuous woman. And these attributes include the work of a woman in the home and out of the home. I'd like for us just to briefly look at verses 25 through 28 of Proverbs 31. I believe that joyful mothers have purpose. They have goals. And they celebrate everything that's right in life. Did you know that negativity can drain a child's energy and confidence? It can take away their initiative. So let's look at these three verses. Strength and honor are her clothing, and she shall rejoice in time to come. Notice that she has to wear strength and honor every day, even through tough times, knowing that joy will come. And the next verse. She openeth her mouth with wisdom, and in her tongue is the law of kindness. In the next verse, she looketh well to the ways of her household, and eateth not the bread of idleness. She's positive. She's busy about her family and the home. A mom who is a joyful mother looks on the bright side of every situation and celebrates every milestone every success, and every accomplishment of her children. Do kids mess up? Absolutely. Do our children make mistakes? All of them. Are our children perfect? No, none of our children are perfect. But joyful mothers will always celebrate what's wonderful in the lives of their children. As a school teacher for 16 years and then a public school administrator for the past 16 years, I have met all kinds of moms. But I want to share with you the story of Fran. Fran is one of those joyful mothers who has the, that unfeigned faith. She had four children of her own, and then she decided to adopt four more. And the ones that she adopted were not easy children. They were children with emotional and medical concerns. Maddie is one of those children, and she is a student at my school. She's paralyzed from the waist down, and she attends school every day in a wheelchair. Fran, her mom, could be discouraged with all of the medical needs of Maddie, but she celebrates every success of Maddie. One day, Fran said to me, guess what, Mrs. Johnson? Maddie can surf. Well, I looked at her with my eyes wide open and my mouth gaping open as well because I wasn't able to quite process that. Maddie's not able to walk. How can Maddie surf? But Fran went on to explain that Maddie has built up her ab abdominal muscles, and although she's paralyzed from the legs down, she was able to support herself on her surfboard. And she wanted to share that with me. I said, is she surfing in the ocean? All of a sudden, I'm thinking of all the unsafe things that could happen. And Fran said, oh, yes. It's quite a sight to behold. May I have some pictures of Maddie surfing, I asked. I'd like to show them to you. 
that's her supporting her body weight. And in the other picture, you can see that her father helps her get on the board. And the wonderful lady behind the lens is a joyful mother, Fran. Fran celebrates everything right in the world. She remains so optimistic. You know, God is the one who can make us joyful mothers. And if Fran were here today, she would tell you it's God that gives her the strength every day for the children that she is raising. Every child is a gift. So moms, remember, create a strong home. Fill it with faith and celebrate every success and you will be a joyful mother. Thank you so much, Sister Johnson. That was so powerful. Dr. Myers has been the pastor's wife and the bishop's wife of this church for 45 years. She is an outstanding mother. If I was to try to wrap up all of her attributes in terms of uh, being a mother, my sister was the great child. I was the problem child. I was the one that took a lot of time and a lot of patience. And the two things that I can remember, my sister got all the good grades, you name it. And uh, the only thing was, she was a little bit of a crazy driver. She was a little wilder driver, I think, than I was. But my mother was um, always and has been a, a, a tremendous mother. But there's two things I remember about uh, Dr. Myers growing up that just... Um, I think have always stayed with me and that is that unconditional love was always a part of her DNA with her children um, she would fight for her children she would fight the saints in the church for her children she was and is an advocate for her children regardless and I knew I always had someone in my corner with my mom because of her unconditional love because I think God puts that in moms. But my mother seems to have found a whole new gear. And we all, my sister and I and our family, benefited from that. And I believe the church has as well, as she now is a, a doctor and a counselor helping a lot of families and homes. The other thing that really stands out with my moms is that she put a sense of excellence in us. And that is that we were never, ever happy with things being done halfway. Even to this day, I cannot leave an article of clothing on the floor for more than 30 seconds because there's a voice in my head that says, you need to pick that up off the floor. There's a place for that shirt to go. And my mother putting that in us, I believe, has been a great asset for both my sister and I and for our church. We all benefit from Dr. Myers, her compassion, her love, and her excellence at First Pentecostal Church. Would you stand and welcome Dr. Margaret Myers?
Thank you. You may be seated. First of all, I want to also say Happy Mother's Day to all our mothers, grandmothers, and great-grandmothers. How many great-grandmothers are there in this congregation? And I am so thankful to be a mother, a grandmother, and now a great-grandmother of little Janie Kay, who I have learned to love with all my heart. <clears throat> I, I want to start this morning with a story about a very well-known daughter. And I'm going to start with the story of her parents. Carrie and May the parents of the daughter that you will soon find out about. Harry and May were from very humble beginnings. Harry wanted to go to college, but his father died suddenly, and so he had to take over the farm, the ranch, in New Mexico. So then Harry married May, and they settled down in this ranch, which was far away from city life far away from even neighbors. In fact, when May had her first child, she had to travel 200 miles to El Paso for the delivery of her first child, Sandra. They brought Sandra home to this little four-room house. Listen to this, mothers. No electricity and no running water. How would you like to raise a child? in that surrounding, I wouldn't. And also there was no school in driving distance for Sandra, so May, her mother, began teaching her at the age of four. Not only did May use all the books available to teach Sandra, but she would subscribe to all the newspapers and periodicals that she could get her hands on to enhance the education of her daughter, Sandra. One summer, mom and dad packed Sandra and now her brother, Alan, to go on a summer vacation. It wasn't to a theme park, but it was to visit every state capital west of the Mississippi. So not only did May and Harry and Sandra and Alan visit every state capital, but they climbed all the stairs into the domes of these capitals. Now, I've been to the state capital in uh, D.C., and there are lots of stairs to climb, and most capitals are on a hill, and so there are many stairs, but they climbed every one. No doubt Sandra gained from this experience and this vacation a great love for government and how states and the nation are governed. So it's no wonder that the tears flowed readily when Sandra Day O'Connor looked over at her mom and dad when she was appointed the first Supreme Court Justice, the first woman Supreme Court Justice of the United States. She knew that much of the credit went to that little ranch woman, her mother, 
who read to her for endless hours and who climbed with her every stair of all those capital buildings. Harry and May did not have a lot of money or earthly treasures to give to their children, but they gave to their children things that money could not buy. And I want to talk about three of those gifts that we give to our children that are priceless. And we've already heard about unconditional love. When we are young, we take the love of our mother for granted. I know in growing up, I never thought much about it. But mom told me one day something that I never forgot when I became an adult. And she would correct me or, or do things that I didn't understand. She'd say, Booba, that was my nickname. Booba, she said, that's Italian, by the way, for dog. Sounds funny, but it's got a good meaning. Booba, she said, you'll understand what I'm doing when you have your own children. And you know she was so right, and I've thought about that so many times. So as I got older, I learned to understand and appreciate my mother's love more and more. In preparing this message, I thought of a particular incident where I was reminded of her love. I was about 28 years old, and Denise, my only child then, and I were staying with friends, and my husband was out of town. Well, I was reading a storybook to Denise one evening, and involuntarily she raised her hand like that, and it hit my eye. And immediately, I was in pain. Well, all that night, I didn't sleep at all. It was excruciating pain. And so the next morning, hoping that someone in the household would take me to a doctor, I guess they didn't think it was that serious. They all went to work. And so there I was all day nursing this eye, not knowing how bad it was. But all day long, guess what I thought about? I thought about my mother. And I said, you know what? If my mother was here, I would never have to wait all day to see a doctor. She'd get a taxi. She'd do something. She'd go next door. She'd find somebody to take me. There is no way that my mother would have let me suffer all day with that. And that day, that's the first thing I thought about. There's uh, something that I want to say before I go on. My mother died in 1996, 20 years ago, but I want to give her honor this morning from my heart. My husband and I were in the nursing home where my mother passed away in 1996. She went into a coma the last few days, and we would go visit every day, and I can remember walking down that long hallway in the nursing home and getting to the door and wondering if she was going to be alive. So one day we went. She was still alive, but she was in a coma, and they say that you can hear and I went up to mom that day and I took her hand and I said, mom, I want you to forgive me. 
of anything I've ever done or said in our life that has offended you. Now, Mom and I, we had a great relationship, but you know, you don't live that many years at home with parents and siblings without saying things sometimes that you regret. And that was the case with me, and I wanted to do that. And I took hold of her hand and I said that, and she squeezed my hand. And forgiveness comes easy to a mother, very easy. And I never will forget that. Well, it wasn't long after that incident that we went to the room one day and my husband and I watched my mother breathe her last breath. I never will forget the feeling. I don't think prior to that I'd ever been with anyone when they breathe their last breath. But this groan just, just came forth. And I left the room, and I walked down this long hallway to a window, and I was filled with grief and sorrow. And when I got to that window and I looked out the window, the Lord spoke to me so beautifully. And this is what he said. What man can keep the soul alive? What man can keep the soul alive? I didn't know if that was a scripture. I had never read it if it was. But I looked it up later, and you can put that on the overhead. It is found in Psalms 22:29. None can keep the soul alive. And I just thank the Lord that he gave me that scripture. It was such a comfort. Another thing that mothers give us that is so priceless is their time. When, they're in, when we're infants, all those sleepless nights, I used to remember thinking, oh, I never realized what a wonderful privilege it is to sleep all night. What's that, what is that like? And all of you that are mothers, you know that we give our time morning, noon, and night to our children when they're sick. We're there all night praying, you know, that they'll get better. And then when they get older, you spend your time listening all through those teenage years, you know, all their problems and, and uh, situations that they go through, and, and you listen. And when they're teenagers, you really learn to pray when they're out driving. <laughs> and we used to live... you can remember when we lived on Dale Avenue here in Melbourne, and our house at one end was US-1, and right near us at the other end was Babcock Street. And I could hear every ambulance, every ambulance that went to Holmes Regional Hospital or went somewhere to pick up somebody was in hearing distance of our home. Oh, and I can remember praying, thinking, dear God, I hope that's not one of my kids that got in a car wreck or something. So we, we spend a lot of time and a lot of prayer. And motherhood is definitely not an eight-to-five job. Another thing that we give our children, we give them instruction, endless instruction. And I remember my mom you know, they say you, that children catch uh, what uh, knowledge is taught as much as it's taught. And I caught this knowledge from my mother 
uh, who was a child in as I am. And she had certain words that she would use repeatedly, and I'm going to tell you about two of them. One is the word sincero. That means sincere. And I could be with my mom in a restaurant or downtown shopping or just in a social setting, and mom would like to give names to people. When she came to this church, she had a name for everyone. Sister Burroughs remembered my mom called her a lovely lady. That was her name. And she had names for everyone. And so she liked to categorize people. So if she was in the company of someone that she assessed was a very sincere person, she would look at me and say, sincero. And she said it with such uh, admiration that I grew up wanting to be a very sincere person. She hated hypocrisy. Well, you know, God does too. And uh, that was one of the things that I taught without being taught. The other word was superbia. And when she said this word, she said it with disgust. And her expression on her face was negative. And I recall especially one day in a restaurant with her, and the waitress came and took our order, and she walked away, and my mother looked at me and said, superbia. What that means uh, is superb, or someone that feels that they're above, high-minded, superbia, someone that feels superb or better than you are. And those are two things that I learned. I didn't want to be high-minded, but I did want to be sincere. Another thing that um, mothers offer us is comfort. Uh, and there is a scripture that speaks about comfort uh, that perhaps you can, you can put on the uh, overhead if I find it. Um, but it says in the book of Isaiah, I'm going to learn to use my iPad, but I haven't yet <laughs> when I speak. <laughs> anyway, this is Isaiah 66, 13. And it says this, As one whom a mother comforted, the Lord speaking to Israel, as one whom a mother comforted, so will I comfort you, and you shall be comforted in Jerusalem. God compares a lot of things to a mother, and this is one attribute, that his comfort for us is like the comfort from a mother. Allow me to read now this piece I cut out from a newspaper many years ago because we're celebrating moms and the title is We Celebrate Moms. We celebrate moms, not the pasteurized vanilla and lace moms of greeting cards, not the faultless, all wise, ever patient moms, but those who are slightly scared. Finger crossing, real moms, who think they may just die from motherhood, but, in but they hang in there and do it anyhow. We celebrate moms who laugh out loud, who don't always take the teacher's side, who like to wave in puddles, who buy cherry-flavored cough drops. I remember doing that. And who fall apart now and then, knowing it's only normal. 
We celebrate their tears when children are seriously ill, their pride when Susie sings with the school chorus, their joy when college kids come home for spring break, like Sister Griffith's daughter, I see, and their consternations when those kids want to take a year off to roam the world and learn about life. We celebrate moms who can say, I'm sorry, or I was unfair, or I goofed up, and then add, but it's okay, I'm human too, you know. We celebrate their love, their imperfect, wondering, stumbling, hope I'm doing the right kind of thing, love. Their willingness to sit with a broken arm for an hour while a sick child finally falls asleep on their shoulder. We celebrate their lives, the long days and aching heads, the sweet moments and the temptation to give up and the raw heartbreak. We celebrate the times when they know that being a mother is the hardest thing they will ever do, when they're proud and grateful and full of awe when they wouldn't have it any other way. So today, let's all celebrate mothers. Let's be thankful for their unconditional love, comfort, time, and all that they have taught us through the years. Blow up balloons. Buy some flowers. Write her a poem. In your own way, let her know, your mother, how much you appreciate and love her. Before I conclude, I'm going to end with a poem that I wrote several years ago, and I found among my notes, and I want to read it to all the mothers here today. I titled it, Hang In There. You've lost so much sleep since this child came your way. The laundry's all stacked, dirty dishes piled high. Is the day almost done? You ask with a sigh. Now here comes Sue, your oldest of two, with stories to tell of her first day of school. She's met a girl, a new girl on the block, and wants you to listen while she talks. So you both take a seat and you push back your hair. It'll be all right. Just hang in there. The morning is the mortgage is due and Jack's lost his job. Johnny's sick with the flu. Life seems one big blob. But you keep cooking meals and cleaning the house, saying your prayers and helping your spouse. The road has to turn. You can't despair. So you put on a smile and you just hang in there. New questions arise every day, it seems, like, why can't I go? And what does that mean? They're bored and they're miserable. Schools, uh, they're too much to bear. God, give me some answers and help me hang in there. School's almost out now. There's talk of careers. One wants to marry. The other has fears. You stop and you think, is my job almost done? They're not kids anymore. Surely they don't need a mom. But your rest is short-lived to quit now, would you dare? Here they come with new problems, so hang in there. What's your secret, moms? They've turned out so well. 
Did you ever lose patience? What can you tell? We're new on the job, and we need you to share the wisdom you've learned in a lifetime of care. The answer is clear. It's nothing so rare. You do all you can, and you just hang in there. God bless you. Why don't we all stand together? Amen. I want to pray for all of our moms and all the ladies that are here. Maybe if you're standing close to your mother or uh, your spouse, you know, as Dr. Myers was speaking, I was thinking as I looked across this audience this morning that, you know, being a mother is never over. And some of you this morning may be here and you're still hurting. Uh, because maybe your children are not where you anticipated they would be at this point in their life. But I'm so thankful that God can wrap his arms of love around us and give us a peace and an understanding that it's going to be okay. We just got to hang in there. And I wonder if we could just uh, pray for all of our moms and pray for all the ladies. Maybe, maybe you're here this morning and you're not uh, necessarily a mom of natural children, but maybe you're here today and God has given you a, a sense of peace and understanding of his work that's in your life. I, I just want us to pray for one another right now. Maybe you could just take the hand of the person that you're standing next to right now. Let's just pray right now as a church. Let's pray for all of our moms and all of our ladies. Lord, we are so thankful you have blessed us as a church, God. You have given us this great family of believers. And you, Lord, have put us all, Lord, here together. You're the common denominator that brings us all together your love for us your mercy and lord that you never ever gave up on us and we're so thankful lord for all the moms all the ladies that are in this church i ask you lord that you would give them strength that you would give them courage lord that you would give them a sense of peace i pray lord that you would just reassure them that all of their work and all of their time and all of their care and all the hours are not in vain, Lord, but they are there as a testimony of your faithfulness. You used your word to illustrate over and over that the love of a mom illustrates your love for the church and your love for each of us. I ask God that you would just put your arms around each of our moms, each of these ladies, Lord, and I just ask you, Lord, that you would just speak into their life today and give them a sense of peace and understanding that everything's going to be okay. You're on the throne, Lord, and there is none that is like unto you. You are great and greatly to be praised, and your mercy, your mercy endureth forever and forever. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. amen. God bless you. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name.